Part three, chapter one of By What Authority by Robert Hugh Benson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Coming of Spain. The conflict between the old faith and the lusty young nation went steadily forward after the Jesuit invasion. More and more priests poured into England, more and more were banished, imprisoned, and put to death. The advent of Father Holt, the Jesuit, to Scotland in 1583 was a signal for a new outburst of Catholic feeling, which manifested itself not only in greater devotion to religion but among the ill-instructed and impatient, in very questionable proceedings. In fact, from this time onward, the Catholic cause suffered greatly from the division of its supporters into two groups, the religious and the political, as they may be named. The former entirely repudiated any desire or willingness to meddle with civil matters. Its members desired to be both Catholics and Englishmen, serving the pope in matters of faith and elizabeth in matters of civil life but they suffered greatly from the indiscretions and fanaticism of the political group the members of that party frankly regarded themselves as at war with an usurper and an heretic and used warlike methods to gain their ends plots against the queen's life were set on foot and their promoters were willing enough to die in defense of the cause but the civil government made the fatal mistake of not distinguishing between the two groups again and again loyal englishmen were tortured and hanged as traitors because they shared their faith with conspirators there was one question however that was indeed on the border-line exceedingly difficult to answer in words especially for scrupulous consciences and that was whether they believed in the pope's deposing power and this question was adroitly and deliberately used by the government in doubtful cases to ensure a conviction but whether or not it was possible to frame a satisfactory answer in words yet the accused were plain enough in their deeds and when the armada at length was launched in eighty eight there were no more loyal defenders of england than the persecuted catholics even before this however there had appeared signs of reaction among the protestants especially against the torture and death of campion and his fellows and lord burley in eighty three attempted to quiet the people's resentment by his anonymous pamphlet execution of justice in england to which cardinal allen presently replied ireland which had been profoundly stirred by the military expedition from the continent in eighty at length was beaten and slashed into submission again and the torture and execution of hurley by martial law which elizabeth directed on account of his appointment to the see of cashel when the judges had pronounced there to be no case against him and a massacre on the banks of the moy in eighty six of scots who had come across as reinforcements to the irish these were incidents in the black list of barbarities by which at last a sort of temporary quiet was brought to ireland in scottish affairs the tangle unravelled even still of which mary stuart was the centre led at last to her death walsingham with extraordinary skill managed to tempt her into a dangerous correspondence 
all of which he tapped on the way he supplied to her in fact the very instrument an ingeniously made beer-barrel through which the correspondence was made possible and after reading all the letters forwarded them to their several destinations when all was ripe he brought his hand down on a group of zealots to whose designs mary was supposed to be privy and after their execution finally succeeded in eighty seven in obtaining elizabeth's signature to her cousin's death warrant the storm already raging against elizabeth on the continent but fanned to fury by this execution ultimately broke in the spanish armada in the following year meanwhile at home the affairs of the church of england were far from prosperous puritanism was rampant and a wail of dismay was evoked by the new demands of a commission under whitgift's guidance in eighty two whereby the puritan divines were now called upon to assent to the queen's supremacy the thirty-nine articles and the prayer-book in spite of the opposition however of burley and the commons whitgift who had by this time succeeded to canterbury upon grindal's death remained firm and a long dreary dispute began embittered further by the execution of mr copping and mr thacker in eighty three for issuing seditious books in the puritan cause a characteristic action in this campaign was the issuing of a puritan manifesto in eighty four consisting of a brief well-written pamphlet of a hundred and fifty pages under the title a learned discourse of ecclesiastical government making the inconsistent claim of desiring a return to the primitive and scriptural model and at the same time of advocating an original scheme one not yet handled it was practically a demand for the presbyterian system of pastorate and government to this dr bridges replies with a tremendous tome of over fourteen hundred pages discharged after three years of laborious toil and dealing as the custom then was line by line with the puritan attack to this in the following year an anonymous puritan under the name of martin mar prelate retorts with a brilliant and sparkling repost addressed to the right puissant and terrible priests my clergy masters of the convocation house in which he mocks bitterly at the prelates accusing them of sabbath-breaking time-serving and popery calling one dumb and duncetical another the veriest coxcomb that ever wore velvet cap and summing them up generally as wainscot-faced bishops proud popish presumptuous profane paltry pestilent and pernicious prelates the archbishop had indeed a difficult team to drive especially as his coadjutors were not wholly proof against martin's jibes in eighty four his brother of york had been mixed up in a shocking scandal in eighty five the bishop of lichfield was accused of simony bishop aylmer was continually under suspicion of avarice dishonesty vanity and swearing and the bench as a whole was universally reprobated as covetous stingy and weak in civil matters england's relation with spain was her most important concern 
bitter feeling had been growing steadily between the two countries ever since drake's piracies in the spanish dominions in america and a gradually increasing fleet at cadiz was the outward sign of it now the bitterness was deepened by the arrest of english ships in the spanish ports in the early summer of eighty five and the swift reprisals of drake in the autumn who intimidated and robbed important towns on the coast such as vigo where his men behaved with revolting irreverence in the churches and santiago and then proceeded to visit and spoil san domingo and Cartagena in the indies again in eighty seven drake obtained the leave of the queen to harass spain once more and after robbing and burning all the vessels in cadiz harbour he stormed the forts at faro destroyed armada stores at corona and captured the great treasure-ship san felipe elizabeth was no doubt encouraged in her apparent recklessness by the belief that with the netherlands which she had been compelled at last to assist in a state of revolt spain would have little energy for reprisals upon england but she grew more and more uneasy when news continued to arrive in england of the growing preparations for the armada france too was now so much involved with internal struggles as the protestant henry of navarre was now the heir to her catholic throne that efficacious intervention could no longer be looked for from that quarter and it seemed at last as if the gigantic southern power was about to inflict punishment upon the little northern kingdom which had insulted her with impunity so long in the october of eighty seven certain news arrived in england of the gigantic preparations being made in spain and elsewhere and hearts began to beat and tongues to clack and couriers to gallop then as the months went by and tidings sifted in there was something very like consternation in the country men told one another of the huge armament that was on its way the vast ships and guns all bearing down on tiny england like a bull on a terrier they spoke of the religious fervour like that of a crusade that inspired the invasion and was bringing the flower of the spanish nobility against them the superstitious contrasted their own lion revenge and elizabeth jonas with the spanish san felipe san mateo and our lady of the rosary the more practical thought with even deeper gloom of the dismal parsimony of the queen who dribbled out stores and powders so reluctantly and dismissed her seamen at the least hint of delay yet little by little as midsummer came and went beacons were gathering on every hill ships were approaching efficiency and troops assembling at tilbury under the supremely incompetent command of lord leicester among the smaller seaports on the south coast rye was one of the most active and enthusiastic the broad shallow bay was alive with fishing boats and the steep cobbled streets of the town were filled all day with a chattering exultant crowd cheering every group of seamen that passed and that spent long hours at the quay watching the busy life of the ships and predicting the great things that should fall when the spaniards encountered the townsfolk should the armada survive drake's onslaught further west about july the twentieth more definite news began to arrive 
at least once a day a courier dashed in through the southwest gate with news that all must hold themselves ready to meet the enemy by the end of the month labor grew more incessant and excitement more feverish about six o'clock on the evening of the twenty-ninth as a long row of powder-barrels was in process of shipping down on the quay the men who were rolling them suddenly stopped and listened the line of onlookers paused in their comments and turned round from the town above came an outburst of cries followed by the crash of the alarm from the church tower in two minutes the quay was empty out of every passage that gave on to the main street poured excited men and women some hysterically laughing some swearing some silent and white as they ran for across the bay westwards on a point beyond winchelsea in the still evening air rose up a stream of smoke shaped like a pine tree with a red smouldering root and immediately afterwards in answer the ypres tower behind the town was pouring out a thick drifting cloud that told to the watchers on folkestone cliffs that the dreaded and longed-for foe was in sight of england then the solemn hours of waiting began to pass every day and night there were watchers straining their eyes westwards in case the armada should attempt to coast along england to force a landing anywhere and southwards in case they should pass nearer the french coast on their way to join the prince of parma but there was little to be seen over that wide ring of blue sea except single vessels or now and again half a dozen in company appearing and fading again on some unknown quest the couriers that came in daily could not tell them much only that there had been indecisive engagements that the spaniards had not yet attempted a landing anywhere and that it was supposed that they would not do so until a union with the force in flanders had been effected and so four days of the following week passed then on thursday august the fourth within an hour or two after sunrise the solemn booming of guns began far away to the southwest but the hours passed and before nightfall all was silent again the suspense was terrible all night long there were groups parading the streets anxiously conjecturing now despondently now cheerfully then once again on the friday morning a sudden clamour broke out in the town and almost simultaneously a pinnace slipped out spreading her wings and making for the open sea a squadron of english ships had been sighted flying eastwards and the pinnace was gone to get news the ships were watched anxiously by thousands of eyes and boats put out all along the coast to inquire and within two or three hours the pinnace was back again in rye harbour with news that set bells ringing and men shouting on wednesday the skipper reported there had been an indecisive engagement during the dead calm that had prevailed in the channel a couple of spanish store vessels had been taken on the following morning and a general action had followed which again had been indecisive but in which the english had hardly suffered at all while it was supposed that great havoc had been wrought upon the enemy but the best of the news was that the rye contingent was to set sail at once and unite with the english fleet westwards of calais by midday on saturday 
the squadron that had passed was under the command of the admiral himself who was going to dover for provisions and ammunition and would return to his fleet before evening before many hours were passed rye harbour was almost empty and hundreds of eyes were watching the ships that carried their husbands and sons and lovers out into the pale summer haze that hung over the coast of france while a few sharp-eyed old mariners on points of vantage muttered to one another that in the haze there was a patch of white specks to be seen which betokened the presence of some vast fleet that night the sun set yellow and stormy and by morning the cobblestones of rye were wet and dripping with storm showers and a swell was beginning to lap and sob against the harbour walls End of chapter 1